Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and Two Minute Crash Course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. Today, I've got a good friend on the show with me. This guy's a legend. He needs no introduction. Uh, Everyone in e-commerce knows this guy, loves this guy. Uh, It is my good friend, Austin Bronner. He is the co-host of the e-commerce evolution. Uh, no, actually, that's my podcast. Sorry. You were the guest of that podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the co-host of the e-commerce influence podcast with uh, Andrew Foxwell. Tremendous podcast. If you're not a listener to that podcast, shame on you. It's an amazing podcast. You got you to go check it out. Uh, Austin's also the CEO of Brand Growth Experts. And I, I'm pumped about our topic today. We're going to be talking about the differences between e-commerce businesses that scale and those that don't. And I'm, I'm just pumped. I'm very passionate about this topic, so we're going to dive in. So with that, Austin, man, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for being on the show. Brad, thank you for that incredible, incredible introduction, man. I really appreciate it. Except for the part when I uh, said you were the co-host of my podcast instead of yeah. yours. <laughs> well, you know. We can talk. We can talk. We always have more room for podcasting, man. Let's do it, man. Let's, <laughs> so that, that was my way of, of subtly inviting you. Let's let's co-host this thing, man. Let's do it. Uh, so so I think one thing that'll be fun, and we because we were just talking about this uh, prior to hitting record. You're a bit laid up right now. Now, for those watching the video, they can't tell yeah. you. Look, you look you look spry. You look healthy. You got a nice beard going on. Uh, all good. But but you're you're actually uh, sporting a pretty serious injury. Talk about that. Yeah, I was out playing uh, some basketball with our our mutual friend Andrew Udarian. He was in town. We had dinner the night. Which before. I hear he's a baller. I, now Andrew and I hang out at a lot of events together. We've never never played ball together. Yeah, I hear he can bring it. Well, that's what we were playing. You know, we were at dinner, and, and uh, one of the guys was like, "Andrew's a baller. We should go out and play." And uh, so I was like, "All right, let's get a game together." I went out, got the court, started playing, and you know, we were we we're we were going back and forth, and um, sure enough, game you guys were playing one on one, or was this? Was no, no, no. We had it was two on two, two okay. on two. First game, um, we just put the screws to him, and then uh, the second you, game, you beat you Darian in the first. Yeah, game. yeah, I beat, awesome. I beat Darian the first. He never game. mentioned that to me. He never, he never uh, told yeah. me that part of the story. Okay, makes well, sense. you know, the next next thing we know, uh, my Achilles is 
somehow pops. I don't know. No, uh, no there are allegations that he might've been behind it, but we, we don't know. <laughs> so the, the, he was literally broke your ankle in this case, <laughs> to your Achilles tendons, which is a gnarly in, injury. I've never had one, but, uh, you gotta, you gotta watch out, right? Because two now, Steve Chu, another e-commerce podcast. Host, yes. Yes. Took his out. Also so mutual friend. Yeah. You better, you better check your Achilles. You got, you, you got to be careful, man. They're going down. Careful, man. I got, I got too many kids to be carting around. I can't, I can't afford to, uh, pop the Achilles. So I'll try to be careful. Actually, you got enough kids. They could be carrying you around. Dude, that's a good point. Uh, a couple you know? of them are getting big enough to partially carry me. Uh, others, not so much, but yeah, I got to put those kids to work. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, man, really excited about the topic today when you floated this idea by me. Well, first of all, anytime you say you want to come on the podcast, I'm going to say yes. But uh, you floated this idea by me and I was like, okay, this is a brilliant topic. Been hearing a lot of talk about this topic too, uh, because you, you, you and I both, we follow the industry like crazy and we look at, hey, what e-commerce companies are, are getting big exits or big IPOs. And, and there's honestly not that many of them. And so we're going to dive into what separates e-commerce companies at scale from those that can't. And uh, so, so why, why are you passionate about this topic? I'm just curious, Austin, before we dig into some of the KPIs and some of the, the issues here, why yeah. is this to you? Well, I'm passionate about it because one of the things you said that we don't see that many of them, right? We have a lot of growth within our industry. And for a long time, we didn't see any exits. There's very, very few. And then they're starting to have some more come around in the last like year and a half, two years. There's been more big exits. Um, what interests me about it is that we've got companies that are growing very, very fast. Uh, some of them go on to exit or have an IPO. And then you've got other people who are in the same industry who think that they might have an opportunity to grow really, really fast and scale up. And it doesn't happen. And um, I feel like both you and I are in, in somewhat of a unique position because we've worked with a lot of different companies and we've seen, we had a good vantage point to see what's the difference. Yes. yes. When I have a client come approach me and they're like, I think we can make this thing big. Sometimes I'm like... Uh, I don't think so. And other times I'm like, yes, I can tell right away this thing is going to be huge. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, you have people come to you that say, hey, I want to be the next Dollar Shave Club or I want to be the next Bonobos or something like that. And, and sometimes that's possible. Sometimes it's not. And, and so I think we're going to dive into some of, the, some of the numbers, some of the KPIs, some of the things that, that could be stacked against you or working in your favor, depending. But let's dive right in. So, so from your perspective... You know, what are some of the, the KPIs, key performance indicators for those that, that don't know the jargon, that, that separate uh, the, the business that can scale from those that can't? Uh, or what, what are some of those um, kind of telltale KPIs? Sure. So I, the, the, what I'm looking for kind of right out of the bat, I think the environment has changed a lot over the last six years. Um, you used to be able to run, build, build a business off of Facebook, Instagram, Partly organic, yep, partly yep, paid. Cheap, man. Cheap, cheap, cheap traffic. Very cheap. You could sell, you know, twenty dollars sunglasses and be able to do it profitably. And you know, we're, we're first looking at product market fit. If you have a product market fit, the second, the second thing I'm looking for is okay. Is your average order value and lifetime value high enough that you can afford a 
the, the relatively expensive cost per acquisition that you need to expect if you're going to be advertising on paid social. And when we talk about businesses at scale, one of the first things you have to ask is, is this product a candidate for demand generation or is it a demand capture type product? Yep, and, yep. and if it's demand capture, you get to a certain level, but if it's demand generation, that's where you can truly scale up. So how do you, how do you differentiate the two? And I immediately know what you're talking about, but demand capture versus demand generation, what's the difference? So are people searching for your product already? Or is it something that you need to put in front of them uh, for them to see it, recognize what it is, and be attracted to it? So a very simple explanation here would be auto parts, parts for your car, that is demand capture 100%. You're not going to go buy a muffler for a car just because you see a Facebook ad for it that you don't own. Uh, On the flip side... Some of these these products that really um, grow quickly on Facebook often are products that you know are are different versions of something that people already know and love, right? So a healthy version of something that people are already familiar with that's a prime candidate for demand generation on Facebook or paid social because people might be familiar a little bit with it; they could see it. And be like, oh, wow, actually, I didn't even know that existed. Now I want it. Yep, yep. So it's something like, uh, and, and this this example may cross over into both categories slightly, but I know, I know you're friends with the guys that started Movement Watches. And that yeah. that's one of those products that, yes, there are people, you definitely search for a watch when you need a watch, or you're buying a watch as a gift or something. And so Movement can kind of get you there. But then also it's a unique story and a unique price point and it's a cool look and all these things. And so it lends itself well to demand generation also. And that, I think actually probably because it crosses over that that's part of the reason why they just got a good, a big buyout, right? Um, for, for, is it, uh, it is from Movado. Movado. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's got a little bit of both. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but totally agree. So we have, so you mentioned auto parts. I, I love that example. That's the example I use a lot too for, for demand capture, especially like your run of the mill, Auto parts. Yeah, muffler is yeah. a perfect example. Brake parts. Okay, I'm I'm not going to watch this clever, catchy Facebook ad for brake parts and suddenly be inspired to go change mine. Uh, first of all, I don't, I don't change mine anyway. But but an ad's not going to do that. Now, uh, 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 kind of a, a nuance there is maybe car accessories could work, right? So if exactly. I if it's something I'm adding on to make my my truck or actually drive a four hundred, but make my four hundred look unique or cool or whatever, that uh, could be both in demand generation and, and demand capture. So you're looking for, you don't want just demand capture. You want something that that can grow off of demand generation and, and ideally maybe some combination of both. Exactly. And that's, you know, go look, take a look at any Shark Tank episode. Almost mm-hmm. all the products they're going to have on there are going to be some version of demand generation uh, products, something new, something new that people can be exposed to for the first time and desire because they now understand why it exists. Yep, yep, I love it. And this is something we talk about a lot. And and uh, you know, you and I have talked about Google Shopping. Some is one of the first things I did in the e-commerce space. Awesome traffic source. Love Google Shopping. Doesn't scale. Uh, yep. You you reach a ceiling. You can make you can make great money from it. It can be a good staple core part of your advertising, but it does not scale. It's limited to search volume and usually limited to very product specific search volume. And so it's great, but it doesn't scale. 
And so, so that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, are you, are there any factors you look for? And you kind of alluded to a couple of them where you said, Hey, it's, this is a product that's like something familiar, but better, different, more interesting, whatever. Are there certain elements you're looking for, for you to say, aha, this is going to kill it with demand generation? Or are you just looking for track record? Like it's already proven successful with small amounts of demand generation. So it's going to do well if we really push it. No, I think, I think that it comes down to, um, doesn't necessarily need to have a track record. It doesn't, if it doesn't have a track record of something of, of growth, like, you know, quick growth, if somebody's coming, if somebody starts talking, like a business approaches me and they have gone from a million dollars to $5 million in the last year, obviously there's something there and it's, it's like, wow, they're already doing it. It doesn't necessarily need to mean that. What it needs to, the reason I use the example of something similar to something, something that people are familiar with is because if people can understand it quickly, Yes. That tends to lead to the ability to grow very quickly. And if they want it, right? And it's and potentially if there's a group, a large group of people that define some aspect of their of their like identity around this product. And that's so so key in my mind, right? This is why if you look at like food, oftentimes you know, you look at the different diets that people are are that are really popular right now keto uh, paleo vegan they're all almost almost religions people are so they are they are so tied into that (laughs) and uh and so because of that if you have a product that people understand within that it can can tend to grow really really quickly same with skincare natural skincare those types of products grow really can grow really quickly because people have an identity about themselves and they can relate it to a product that uh, they're exploring. Do you, do you think that's kind of a, a must for uh, e-commerce companies that, that scale, that, that it has to tap into a, a pretty passionate community and or be something that, that people identify with where they're, where they're proud to show it, to display it to whatever, to say, hey, I'm, I'm part of this community, this at least partially defines who I am. Are, are those are those necessary elements or just nice to have? I don't know if they're necessary, but definitely a huge bonus if people are proud to share it off. I think that 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 is a, is a huge part of it. Or it has to be a very hungry market, right? You look at um, so away travel. Away travel is a really a company that's grown extremely fast. And why they grow? Well, they're trying to bring. They're trying to make luggage cool. Luggage is starting to look cool, but a big key part of that is that people want to show off their luggage. Yeah, and so yeah. that that's a huge part of that. Then you go to the other side, like uh, Get Roman or something, ED, uh, like erectile dysfunction right. medication, and like that's a hungry, hungry market. And so people not, aren't necessarily not, showing that be, off. Uh, yeah, you're not going to be talking about that. No, uh, necessarily. Uh, for him, yeah, same thing, right? Like yep. they've got a very hungry market and they're coming at it in a different way. It just so happened that the company, uh, there was just pent up demand and they were able to unlock this patent. The patent unlocked at a certain time and they were they were primed to to jump in there. Yeah. So no, absolutely. I don't think it, it's not necessary, but that's one aspect of it. 
I think I think hungry market is necessary, uh, but whether you show it off or not uh, is not necessary. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's nice to have and, and great examples. I was thinking of so many puns as you were talking there. I, I but we keeping this podcast clean, so I, I kept those to myself. But you don't have the explicit mark on your exactly, iTunes. exactly. But uh, but yeah, great great examples. And so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, product market fit. And you, we've kind of been alluding to that. So you're finding a hungry market, uh, things like that. I, I, anything else other than hungry market, a passionate market, like a, like a keto market or CrossFit or, or vegan? Uh, other thoughts on product market fit? Um, no, I think, I think it's great if you can replace something that people are already frustrated with that, that works really, really well. And those companies typically do well. I th- Besides that, it really comes down to a found. Like, it, then the next step is like, what is the founder willing to do right away, and what does the founder decide that they want to focus on? Because there's oftentimes I, a lot of these ideas. Like, everyone's got great ideas. What takes what it takes from right off the bat is a founder who is relentless about getting it in front of an audience, and they decide they're going to learn how to drive traffic one way or the other. It doesn't have to, you know, like so if it's if it's demand generation, like they need to learn paid social or they need to learn uh, how to maximize sales on Amazon. Uh, but and that's like, Amazon's again, more like a demand capture type thing, but they got to learn some way to drive traffic and they can't let anything stop them, especially right off the bat. Yep. Because because the roadblocks will be there without question, and and it's interesting. I was listening to uh, Roland Fraser's podcast, Business Lunch, which is a great podcast. Highly recommend it. But he was uh, uh, interviewing a guy about investing and how how he invests, and he talks about he invests much more in the people than he does in the idea. And obviously, the idea has to be great too, and that's be a good product market fit. But invest in the people because of that very thing. You got you got to be tenacious and just want to get after it and figure out how to sell it, no matter what. Because really, hungry market and, and all those other factors only do so much. You gotta you gotta be willing to, to push through and scrap, you know, to, to make it work. So, and, and there's probably gonna be other competitors out there within right. your market, and right. that doesn't matter. In fact, that actually is a, probably a benefit if you yep. see other people in your market already having success. That means that it's there's actually probably an opportunity for you, right? We even mentioned Hims and Roman. Those are two of Two companies that are growing incredibly fast in the exact same market at the exact same time. Yeah, and and both exploding. And and uh, uh, you know when you think about Viagra, kind of controlled that market for a long time, and now these guys are are uh, are really growing as well, which is which is interesting. So uh, let's let's pivot a little bit. I, I want to. You mentioned something briefly a minute ago. We also were talking about it quite a bit uh, before we hit record, and that's AOV. And LTV, so average order value, lifetime value of customer. Why, why is that important? And what are you looking for with those with those metrics? Sure. So it's it's important because if you want to drive traffic in 2019, it is expensive. It's getting more expensive. Um, and so you're not going to be able to pay your way to grow if you have a low average order value product that doesn't have high lifetime value. And even if you have a even if you have a lot, like high lifetime value, 
if your average order value is really low, you're going to be in in the red for Cash a long issues. time. And yeah, you're going to be you're going to need to raise a lot of money to be able to 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 get in the game. And you know this so well because you're spending consistently with clients, and you can have a client approach you and be like, you know, we really want to make this thing happen, and you know, they have an average order value of seventeen ninety nine. And they're like, we want to do this on, we want to do Facebook ads. It's like, well, it's going to be a little bit difficult because you're going to need to be prepared to, to spend $40 to acquire a customer. And that right there, even if you have a wonderful product, can make it a non-starter on some of these platforms that in the past, you could actually grow and build a business off of. Yeah, if you have that $17.99 AOV... On Facebook, and I'm not a Facebook guy. You, you, you and, and Andrew know Facebook very, very well. But you're going to run what remarketing mainly? I mean, the 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 opportunity for cold traffic on Facebook at a seventeen dollar AOV is pretty limited. Well, that that then it goes down to what what type of a product is it? If it's one of those things, it's a wonderful, cool, amazing product with high margin at seventeen ninety nine. But people just buy one of them, it's going to be hard. If they're buying a monthly, you maybe can make it work because yep. you yep. know that down the road, they're going to be buying more, um, but it makes it more difficult. You need to have more more money if you have a higher average order value because really, especially right off the bat, if you're in the first, the first inning, and I say the first inning, like you haven't hit a couple million dollars in sales yet, you're going to want to be doing that at a profit. Because yeah, it's only yeah. going to get more expensive. It's only, those are the that's the cheapest it's ever going to get is early on. Absolutely. So <laughs> from there, you got to be be acquiring customers at a profit, and then maybe later on, once you scale and you've got a little bit of cash in the bank, you might be able to acquire them at a loss if you have a high lifetime value. Yep. So so there, there's a couple points I want to make here. Uh, one about some people start to hit a little bit of scale with with Facebook early or, or, or with YouTube or with other channels and they think that that scale is going to be infinite at those returns and it's not. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But but then are, are there any specific numbers? So when you're looking at... And let's just talk CPA for a minute. So cost per acquisition, cost to get that new sale. Are there any kind of magic numbers you're typically looking for? I definitely have some thoughts on on... From my perspective, looking at mainly Google and YouTube traffic, so I can share that in a minute. But what what are you looking at when it comes to CPA? Well, I think that's a good question. I'm going to say it depends a little bit because sure. sometimes you can drop CPA quite low if you're running some sort of like a um, like a sample pack type of a product. Mm-hmm. And the CPA can drop really low as long as you know is it's such an incredible offer and. Uh, but you know you're gonna be making all your money on the back end. Um, but I would say the number that I'm really looking for is: Does your product sell for somewhere between, you know, seventy and one hundred and fifty dollars? And do you have a healthy margin? If you do, and do people want it? If you're in that area, then you probably you might be able to make it work. Yeah, uh, yeah, make it work at scale. Yep, and I think I think the way to 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 maybe flip that is, or if you maybe if your product doesn't sell for that, but you're replenishable and you you can bank on those, you know, three orders in the next three months, and so you're able to take a yes. certain CPA. So so I'll kind of share for, for the perspective of Google Ads, so search shopping and YouTube. Uh, on the search and shopping side, you can hit about whatever CPA you need to hit, or or a lot of times people are looking at at ROAS, return on ad spend, but. 
you can hit about whatever return you need to hit on those channels, but the scale might not be there. So, you know, if you needed to get, uh, if you had a CPA goal of $5 or $10, you, you could sell some on Google Shopping for that, that efficient. Couldn't on YouTube though. If you're looking to scale on YouTube and run to cold traffic and really push that and blow that up, you, you can't scale with that, that CPA. So for me, and I, I talk to, you know, I consult with companies all the time talking about YouTube ads and whether, whether you're skincare or, or, you know, some kind of food-based or supplement-based or whatever, or, or any other kind of e-commerce business. If you can live with like a, I really like a $50 CPA up to a $100 CPA where that's what you're willing to pay for that first sale. So the AOV might, might not quite be there, but if you're comfortable with that CPA because you know your back end is so solid, then you can probably scale on YouTube. If you need to hit like a $20 to $30 CPA on YouTube, we, you can get some business, but you probably can't scale. You can probably do just okay. Um, those numbers likely hold true on Facebook and kind of across the board, would you say? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And one thing I want to point out is that it's totally okay not to have to like scale massively and run a business that doesn't scale. Yep. Yep. It just, I feel like the most important thing is to is to go into it with your eyes open and, and yes. know what you have. Yes. And if you don't have a business that's going to scale up massively, don't try to, don't try to go down that path path and spend a lot of money in, a, in, a, in an area that's not going to work, build a wonderful business and then maybe take that and get it to a point where it's, it's large enough and then build another business and add to a portfolio and grow that way. Because you can have five of these businesses that aren't scaled up, that are really healthy profits and build an incredible life for yourself. Yep. And, yep. Um, and that's, that's kind of where... That's that's also one reason that I'm passionate about this is because I don't want to see, you know, I have worked with clients that think, oh, we're going to scale this thing up. When no, you don't actually just build a healthy business and build a portfolio of healthy businesses. And that's going to be an incredible way to scale yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Multiply that knowledge, build kind of your own little private equity fund of, of exactly. brands, so to speak. E- exit them as you want, sell them off. But I think where people get into trouble is where they they want their brand, their one brand to be a $100 million exit or something like that or higher than that. And that's not always possible. And that's... But to your point, and I 100% agree, that's okay. That that may not be okay. what you should be pursuing. And it's totally cool. And you can you still build something really awesome that that isn't that kind of exit. Um, I, I think this is potentially a good time to transition just a little bit and talk about line extension and, yes. and adding multiple products. And, and we were just talking before we hit record about... Uh, the 2 p.m. newsletter and uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Webb Smith, is that right? Webb Smith, yeah. I, I don't know what his... His real name can't be Webb. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think Webb Smith sounds like John Smith for somebody who's on the internet. It does. Yeah. Webb Smith. My name is Internet Smith. Really? Inter- okay. Oh, anyway, the guy's brilliant though. Uh, just awesome. Super great to, to listen to, read, uh, check out the website. But he was talking about how you know, like single skew, couple skew, e-commerce businesses don't really scale. Like they, they, you reach a ceiling. And that, that kind of goes back to what we're saying where you may think, okay, hey, I'm hitting this $40 CPA on, on Facebook or YouTube. I can scale to, you know, infinity and beyond. Uh, well, no. One, you're going to kind of exhaust like those high converting audiences and, you, and they're going to wear out. And, and then it's, you can only do so much with a few products. So, uh, all of the bigger e-commerce companies are are uh, diversifying. So they're either 
extending their line or going into new product areas, or maybe to your point, maybe you're launching a separate brand altogether, if that makes sense. But what's, what's your take on line extension and going from a single SKU or a couple SKU to multi-SKU? Uh, what, is, what does that look like? Well, I think it's imperative if you want to continue to grow and if you want to continue to compete. Because I've seen this many times, a company gets a really hot product and they start throwing cash at advertising and it's going like gangbusters. And they're like, wow, this is never going to stop. We're going to grow, 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 grow. And they build this business and they completely forget about their next product. And at a certain point, the product that they have is no longer as cool as it was, or all the people who think it's really cool and are going to buy right away have already bought it. And they're like, what's next? Mm -hmm. And if you don't continue to roll out, I think that's the difference between a real, like a business owner and somebody who creates a cool product. Yes. A business owner thinks, oh, wow, we've got, we are, they think of it in a different way. They think of it not as a product-centric business, but a customer-centric business. We've got all these customers. We need to now deliver something else to them. Um, and, and that, I think that's, that's, that's the difference, right? That is the difference. That's why a company like Away is moving. You know, they had these incredible hits right away of two uh, right away with their away yeah, in a way. <laughs> uh, they, they have a hit with uh, two suitcases. And now you go to their site and they're continually rolling out products, bigger suitcases, luggage tags, dop kits, weekenders, garment bags, because they need, they know that they're going to have to fill. If they're going to dominate in this space, they're going to have to continue to provide things for the customers that they've already acquired at a hefty margin. Same thing with yep. a company like Tacova's Boots. Tacova's Boots comes out the gate really hot. They are selling cowboy boots direct to consumer. People love them. What do they do? They double down. They focus on products, product lines. Because how many boots can you really? How many boots can anyone even have? Really? Yep. I've got seven pair, but I'm I'm unique. I like I like the cowboy boots. So, but no, it's, I, it's a good point. Seven boots. It is a good point. That's great. No, I, actually, now, no, I don't. I'm, I'm actually I'm no. totally kidding. I don't. Have any, <laughs> what's really funny? This is just a side note. Uh, I don't own cowboy boots, but I live in Missouri. I live in the Midwest. Cowboy yeah. boots are a thing here, right? You live in you live in Texas. Cowboy boots yeah. are a thing. So, uh, great Western store in our in our city, one of the largest actually in, in the country, had a big tent sale. I went, I tried on some boots. I was I was this close to buying, I couldn't pull the trigger. It just felt felt unnatural. But but anyway, if I were a boot buyer, yeah, I buy seven maybe, and then and then I'm done. But probably just buy a couple and then I'm done. And they last forever, I hear. They they last for a long time. So what do you gotta do? Well, you start with weekenders. Now weekender bags, leather goods, jeans. What else? Right. I want to celebrate the fact that I wear again. I want to be associated with this cool boot brand. So I'm wearing the t-shirt. I'm wearing the hat. Things like that. And that's the difference between a company that can actually that scales up and one that that stall. It's that they're thinking bigger picture. They realize that all they're doing, this game is, you know, they're acquiring customers. And now what else can we give them? We're not just a boot company. We're a, we're a steward of a customer. Yes. It's the Amazon yes. thought process, right? Like we've got high value customers. That's why Bezos started selling books. Who typically, who are the people that buy books? The affluent. Okay. So he now has affluent yep. customers. What else can I sell them? And that's, that's where you got to start thinking uh, and start thinking early because it changes quick as we know we you know you spend a lot of money and you may exhaust this audience of early adopters but you may grow a customer list of 20,000 now what do you do 
And what do you do? Yep. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. A true entrepreneur, true business owner, they're thinking, how do I delight this customer base? How do I grow this community and continually get them products that they fall in love with versus someone who's just good at selling a product? Uh, and, and, and selling a product is great. You can make some money, but it's not sustainable. It's not necessarily a company that you can exit or build or, or, or you know, it's, it's just limited. It's limited. So, and you may may let somebody in your team fall in love with the products, but if you own if you own a business, make sure you keep your eye on the ball and you realize don't fall in love with our products because we need to fall in love with the customers and yep. make sure whatever yep. they want we deliver. Yeah, because I think what you're tempted to do if you fall in love with the product is you're tempted to if things start to not go well for that product, you blame other things. You blame the market. You blame, uh, well, it's just we didn't have the right ad, which could, could be the case. Or, or our market's not smart enough to see this is a good deal. Yeah, or it could just be the product and, and you need to not be married to it. You need to try again. You need to pivot and, and do something a little bit different. So um, great. Any, any other tips on that or, or any, any secret sauce or things you see great founders, great companies doing that, that help them fall in love with the customer rather than, than just falling in love with the product? Um, not necessarily w- within that, that, that space, but I do think something that's really interesting to think about is as, as companies grow, what I typically see is, I mentioned it earlier, that a founder gets really into some certain traffic source. They become an expert yeah. on that, right? And they get really into it, whether it's Facebook, Google Ads, YouTube, typically not YouTube right at the gate, but sometimes. Um, whatever they decide to drive traffic at, they become an expert. They hit a ceiling and then they get to a point where they're like, wow, I'm spending 80% of my day on this traffic source and I've got a business to run. What am I doing? And they have to realize they need help. And so that may be at $2 million, that may be at $5 million. At a certain point, they say they need help and they're smart enough. The companies that grow are the ones that are smart enough to say the founder says, all right, I need help. I'm going to either take it to an agency or hire somebody who can take over this. And they move it off their plate. And then they go explore another traffic source and they figure it out and they keep that traffic source running and they keep, they actually sometimes really can improve it because they got somebody who's now taking over and going full time on this while they're doing other stuff. Yep. And then they continue to go, go ahead. I I love that. And actually, I, uh, we were talking about this before we started that as an agency, we like helping companies that have already gained some traction with their ads and where we can come and just help them blow it up. So what what other reasons do you have though for why should a founder consider, hey, if you're launching into a new traffic source, you do it. You be the one to run that. Why, why do you advise that? Most importantly, because they need to know enough to be able to hire and fire people. Yeah. And if they don't know enough about that traffic source to fire somebody, they that's they're putting their they're they're putting that the growth of their business in somebody else's hands. And that's not it's not fair to the business. Uh, and, and they're kind of putting they're washing their hands of the fact that they don't they don't want the responsibility of growing the business and they're they're looking out elsewhere. And this oftentimes happens with like product focused founders. They don't really want to be into marketing and traffic, so they try to go find partners to help them. But they're gonna have to you have to figure it out. You have to have somebody in the team who owns it and is obsessive about it because nobody's gonna go to more lengths than you are to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to know the market better, better than your partners. And that's why it's so nice to work with an agency once you've got traction. Because they can bring in their expertise from all the other 
companies they've worked with and bring a different point of view to something that's already working. But if you ask them to start from the beginning, it's probably going to not end up working out the way that you expect. Yep. Yep. Usually you're going to track the agencies, you know, a lot of the bigger agencies, the agencies that that are in high demand, they typically don't want to work uh, on something that's starting from scratch sometimes. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you have the right combination of knowledge of your product in your industry and, and all of those things it's going to end and time potentially to run it uh, to make it worthwhile for you, you to do that. So absolutely. Um, good. So, so how else then should, should someone make that transition? So they, they start with something once it's reaching a certain level of success, they bring on an agency, they hire someone to manage exactly. it, then they go find the next thing. They find the next thing and they grow that next thing. And then at a certain point, what's going to happen is they're going to have multiple traffic sources. And it's now marketing or managing the agencies is going to start taking up 80 to 90% of their day. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I got a business to run. And then they got, then they realize they got to hire somebody to be the director of marketing and the CMO. Yeah. yeah. And that typically happens, you know, maybe 10 to $15 million business. That's just a range. It can happen earlier or not. But I've, yeah. I've seen that multiple times that people hit that level and they go out and they got to find somebody. And usually that person, who a good director of marketing, especially in our space, is in demand. They're hired. Without a doubt. Yep. It, there's, such, there's such high demand for that type of a role that it's hard to find that person. So they got to go in the recruiting path and they got to go around and they got to find that specific person. They got to bring somebody in and poach them from somewhere, somewhere else. Oftentimes it works really well to go to an agency yep. where yep. somebody is underpaid and overworked Yep. And has a lot of experience. Bring him in, and um, you know that 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 that's a place to bring somebody in in that role sometimes, or from another company as a director of marketing. And at that point, all right, the business is growing and continuing, and now the CEO actually gets a chance to become a CEO, and they're now focusing on getting the right people on board. And that next level of growth is often like alignment focused and getting people, getting the right butts in the right seats and also maintaining focus on the fact that they're only as good as their next product line extension, right? Because at that scale, you have to start systematizing launches and continuing to bring out new products. Um, and that's that's like the next step in in this kind of scale up process. And uh, also I think one of the the people that really have so much power in these larger e-commerce organizations are the merchandise people. They're Mm -hmm. the ones that really, a lot of it comes back down to marketing and they're like, oh, marketing isn't doing a good job. No, it's the product, right? You have to keep bringing out good products. It's it's very hard. Yeah, for sure. And And I think, and this is where a CEO is naturally going to shift as they grow. In the beginning, you're doing everything. You're the, you're the head of marketing. You're the head of everything. You're cleaning up the office, all that stuff. Eventually, it really needs to come down to people and product, in my, in my opinion, where as a CEO, you should be all about how do I attract and keep and motivate the next talent? Because... Um, because that ties into product as well. Because you know it's all about the product. It's a, whether whether you're running a, an agency like we are, or uh, training and consulting like you guys are, or e-commerce business. It's all about the product. But really, the people. Uh, if you have the right people, they're going to be the ones continually improving and enhancing and and iterating on that product or that service to make it better. And so, so that's where 
yeah, you you begin to hire a marketing director, uh, you know, a COO, which is actually what what freed me up in my agency uh, over the last couple of years. We, we we promoted an amazing COO, and it's allowed me to focus on the things that I love, and, and our business has grown tremendously uh, because of that. And and I, but I think it ultimately comes down to those two two things: is people and getting the best, and then uh, product, and making sure that you're obsessing about making your product better. Um, and that, that's kind of the name of the game, which is a perfect segue into what you're doing right now. So talk about brand growth experts and talk about kind of the new relaunch you got going on right now. Yeah. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. And it really is designed to kind of help people do what we've just been talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I am launching something called the Coalition, the e-commerce coalition for the last a uh, year, a little over a year, I've been doing coaching for e-commerce business owners and marketers, and we are opening back up the community. It's a like one-on-one coaching community where people can work with me, and then every single month we have a very actionable training that is designed to help business owners know enough so that in whatever aspect of the business they need to, they can be able to hire people, be able to fire people. They know enough in that space, whether it's Facebook ads, Google ads, whether it's just even around like hiring and and managing a team. They're very actionable trainings to be able to help them get up to speed and continue to move forward. we got a great community, about 120 members right now. And we're opening up. It's called The Coalition. You can go check out jointhecoalition.com. And it'll be open from... June 18th to June 27th. Awesome. Man, I'm so excited about it. I, I know for me in my business, some of the breakthroughs, the the kind of the eye-openers, the things that allowed uh, me and the agency to, to scale and grow came from events and relationships with people like you and you, Darian, and you know, I'm part of Ezra Firestone's mastermind group and hang out with guys like Steve Chu and some of those in his group. And, and it's like getting access to that. That's where you get ideas and breakthroughs. That's where you can bounce ideas off of people. I was looking at this, um, or I say I, myself, my business partner, we're looking at a merger recently and or an acquisition rather, and kind of met with some people and they, they advised against it. And it was, you know, uh, super valuable. So like getting involved in this coalition, the community is going to be super valuable because there's going to be other growth-minded e-commerce store owners that you can learn from, but also they get access to you, which that's pretty rare that, with uh, groups like this. That is the unique part. You know, I, I'm, I'm in there answering questions one-on-one for people every single day. There's a private thread and uh, it's been a, a big, big benefit for all the people I've been working with so far. And one of the main reasons people stick around is just to get some, get some help as you've got questions, as everyone does as they're growing their business from somebody who's who's seen a lot of different businesses grow and can help advise and make connections and that sort of thing. Uh, because I have a very weird set of skills, and as do you, where you're sitting and you're like seeing hundreds of businesses grow in different ways and you kind of pick up unique things along the way. You absolutely do. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking the other day of the, uh, the dinner that you coordinated in San Diego a couple of years ago, but just all the amazing people that were around that table. It was the founders of... Movement Watch, Movement oh, yeah. Watches. It was uh, Pura Vida. It was our buddy Chris Lynch from Everyday California. Uh, Wenders. 
Blender, yeah, Blender's eyewear. Yeah. It was uh, BVXL, larger Shopify. Look, look at that. I mean, it, it was a cool group at the time, but now it's like everybody's having these amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Growth. It's like those okay, guys those have are, exploded. <laughs> I know. But they, yeah, but those are the guys that you get to hang out with and get to see, and so that gives you a really unique perspective, and that's what the, the perspective they kind of shed light on this topic that we talked about today. So I, I'm, I'm extremely excited about it. I, I couldn't endorse it highly enough. So check Brett has out. a training in there as well. It's true. I hear your Google Ads training that's in that. It's very, very good. Mind. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that training, which uh, go check it out. So uh, what's, that, what's that URL again? It's jointhecoalition.com. Join uh, you can go check it out. Um, awesome. So check it out. Austin Bronner, ladies and gentlemen, bringing it today. Man, that was a ton of fun. Thanks for coming on. Brett, always a pleasure, man. I always enjoy talking about this stuff. We should do it more often. Every time I talk to you, I'm always like, we should do it more often. Exactly. Fortunately, it hasn't been that long. We talked a couple. <laughs> it hasn't been that long, but hey, co-host, a co-host offer still out there. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I like it a lot. So uh, check it out. Jointhecoalition.com. Austin Bronner. Appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll chat soon. All right. Talk to you later. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.